Hello, everyone. I'm Kevin Winder, and thanks for tuning in to another podcast of Beyond Everything Radio. And as always, I have a question for you. Are the teenage years necessarily a time of rebellion? Or are these common behaviors indicative of a blind spot on the part of parents? In today's podcast post, we continue our series on parenting adolescents with a look at our teens' search for self. We'll learn why when young people try on new identities or act out, it's not just being a teen. It's symptomatic of a fundamental problem. Join me now as we see beyond teenage surface level behaviors and expose what is really behind those teen years and how wisdom offers a healing alternative. Hello, everybody, and thank you so much for coming back to yet another podcast of Beyond Everything Radio. I am your host. My name is Kevin Winder. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to this day, whenever, wherever you hear this. Um, I do hope that you were invited to tune into this series. Uh, We are in a series called Parenting Teens uh, because... Many of you asked for this as a kind of a supplemental piece to my parenting series that I did, um, I don't know, a year or two ago. Uh, if you want a link to that to kind of get the underlying philosophies, uh, which I have derived from wisdom literature or scripture, um, you can check that out. Uh, I'll have a link in my, um, in my website, kevinwinder.com. Um, But we are in part three this week, and um, it is podcast number 370, if you can believe it. It's the third installment of our Parenting Teens series, and I call it The Search for Self. So I'm going to just start off by saying that I understand as a parent, I've been there, I've done it. I've got uh, a 17-year-old and a 19-year-old, so I have uh, raised teenagers. Uh, when I tell people I've never had a single day where my teenager talked back, acted out, rebelled, uh, got snarky, gave me attitude, uh, most people assume something is dysfunctional in our family. <laughs> um, I it there may be I, I don't know of it if there is um, there's no heaviness oppression threat intimidation there's none of that I've never yelled at my kids I you know so it's like uh, when I say that I don't say it in a bragging kind of way uh, I just say it in a way that invites parents to go further. Well, tell me, how, how did you do that? You know, why doesn't your teen play so many video games and, and just want to hang out with friends and do nothing all the time? How do you get them to do so many amazing accomplishments and stuff? And, and it's not that I make them do that or get them. It's, it's part of the fabric that I'm trying to give you. It starts with the philosophies that I shared in my parenting series. And now as they become teenagers, I'm trying to give you parents something that will actually give you a course correction if you truly want to heal or deepen uh, your relationship with your teens. Um, And so when I tell you what I'm about to tell you, you need to understand that it is uncommon in our world. Most of the world is in a default mode. They 
go through life just thinking teenagers are just have to be that. They just have to be that way. They, you know, they, they have to get so bad and your relationship has to get so horrible that it makes you want them to leave. And that's part of the separation process. You know, I've heard it all. Okay. I'm telling you, it doesn't have to be that way. But um, in order to get out of the, the framework that you are using to parent right now, you will have to at least consider an alternative framework. So that's what I'm bringing in this series. And I know it's counterintuitive. And I know that I hold parents responsible. And I know that every child is different and every situation is different and every your resources are different. And so I'm not blaming you parents if this is a problem or something is happening. I'm not blaming. But I invite you to take responsibility so that you can take the reins back and steer and lead and serve uh, and love your teens in a way that... Uh, restores what you already know is probably broken. Okay, so let's, with all that said, let's dive right in here. The teenage years, we all know, are known for the young people trying on various identities. Think about it. You were probably a, a, a jock, a nerd in middle school or high school. You were a band geek, a drama person, a stoner, a goth, a brain, or whatever it was, whatever they are now, I don't know. Um, but folks, the philosophy of the world is that this is just a passing phase. They'll grow out of it. It's so important that you see this and understand the significance that this is a search for the self in the lives of a teenager. They are trying to find out who they are by trying on personas and groupthink and ideas that are outside of the families. And as a result, it's, it's all because they don't know who they are. Like you have to see this as a huge thing, not a passing thing. That's your first area to consider. This quote-unquote phase is when teens make lasting determinations about themselves and the world. And it's really easy to get this wrong. And if they do get it wrong, they will struggle and despair well into their adult years. Most of adults who are in therapy are trying to unearth uh, all the problems that they couldn't sort out in their teenage years which led to a search for self they didn't find. They developed a false self. They developed patterns, behaviors, addictions, which led them down painful roads, which caused a low-grade fever of despair or loss or depression or anxiety into their adult years, and they coped somehow sort of made it through and now they're giving that back onto their kids or it's affecting them in some way. This is what's filling the psychology chairs today. So this is not a passing phase to just kind of go, oh, well, they'll get over it. Parents, wake up and jump in here, please. So when a teen is picking a group, you need to know they don't have to do that. It's not required. Not all teens identify with a group or a clique. Some of them are actually self-aware. 
know who they are, are confident in who they are, and they are individuals. Those are always the most cool kids in the school. They don't have to dress like everybody else. They don't have to act like everybody else. There's something authentic there, and authentic is always popular in a world where nobody knows who they are. But a teen who lacks a sense of self will quickly identify with groups who offer acceptance. So they find their tribe and they become that. If their tribe is banned, they become banned. If it's drama, if it's, being, if it's sports, if it's cheerleading, if it's the LBGTQ whatever, if it's the, uh, you know, we can superimpose our mold onto you and you'll just adopt it. Yeah, I'll just mold. I'll be that. If you'll give me acceptance, it's a trade. And we continue it well into adulthood with all of our beloved institutions. So when a teen is over-identified with a group, it means that we as parents were unsuccessful at revealing to our teens who they truly are. And see, folks, life is not a buffet line where we get to go and be whoever we want to be. That is the world's lie. You don't get to go be whoever you want to be. It's a lie to keep us distracted and chasing after the wind. The world is a place where we discover who we are and our role to serve in it, not to plunder it, but to redeem it. These are vital frame shifts in how we raise our kids. So in the void where the true self should exist, most commonly we have a group think which is molding, superimposing itself on the identity of our teens. And this is what scripture warns about. Paul in Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed, which is those long Greek word, which means to mold or to form. Like, it's like taking clay and pressing it through a mold, right? Do not be conformed to this world. When they mean world, that cosmos, it's the world system. It's an ideology. It says, but instead be transformed, metamorpheo, metamorphosis yourself by the renewal of your mind. And that, folks, is a powerful teaching from wisdom. So play, pay close attention. If, you're, if your teen picks friends from groups of which you don't approve, folks, that tension, that frustration that, that unease that you feel as a parent because you know they're picking the wrong friends, that, that is a benevolent check engine light in your relationship. It's like God saying, hey, pay attention here. It's illuminating just how close you are as a parent to losing your teen to an externally imposed pseudonym. There is a reason why they're doing it. Maybe it's to get back at you. Maybe it's because of some other thing. Pay attention. Don't just assume they'll grow out of it. That's dangerous. And I write about this watershed kind of subject in my upcoming book, Oblivious. So I'm going to quote something out of here. Instead of a world where each of us know our true self as defined by our maker, we have a world which rejects a maker and accepts a faith in time and chance, which produces this mistaken conclusion that we are essentially the indexes and labels that society doles out. 
The self is thus externally defined by our world and our stuff and our accomplishments. Then we go about life trying to find and add new labels, new identities, and new institutions which will define who we want ourselves to be. We literally spend our whole lives despairing in this fictional pursuit of self-delusion. Folks, I can't understate this enough. And parents, please, again, know that I am not just beating you up. I am sounding the alarm for you to re-engage, change, about face if necessary, uh, rethink what has happened. And my main point for you today is that a teen's search for self is the parent's primary job. You have no other job. It's not to prepare them for college. It's not to get help them to become economically self-sufficient. Your main job is to help them find their true self in God. So forgive me if this sounds a little bit blunt, okay? A parent who doesn't know themselves will not be able to lead their teen where they haven't been. Pseudonyms beget pseudonyms of parents' false self that they never found as a teen and then muddled through life through their own despair in a delusion will have a child who they let muddle through life in their despair and self-delusion. We have perhaps the best line of sight into knowing who our true self is of our teen, right? You know your teens better than perhaps anybody else, but it's not always as we assume. It is, however, a great place for you as a parent to start And here are five quick tips to help you kind of cultivate authenticity in the life of your child because you have the line of sight that no one else does. First, constantly invite your teen to explore or try on that true part which you alone see in them, right? You might have a teen who's a little insecure and you know they have this amazing mind or amazing heart or amazing compassion or talent and they're just afraid to put it all out there. You have to be that beacon that is inviting them into that so they can see that and experience the outcome of a prolonged work in that space. That's you. Who else is going to do that if you don't? Number two, resist the urge to define it for them. Don't tell them who their self is, but instead provide honest feedback of what you're seeing. And so when you see somebody acting incongruent with who you know they truly are, say so. Say, man, I don't don't think you're really that way. And I'm curious as to why you're acting this way. Number three, don't criticize behaviors and bad choices. Instead, expose them for the falsehood that they are and reflect back to them aspects of the self that you want to reinforce. Parents are constantly picking, 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 picking apart their teens. Then when the teen doesn't want to spend time with you, you wonder why. Uh, Or when they become hypercritical of you and it turns on you and gets nasty, we wonder why. Where'd you learn that? Where'd you get that attitude? Guess what, parents? They learned it from us. Number four, pull instead of push. Use influence, not authority. Discipline rather than punish. Serve rather than demand. I always use this example, but 
my kids always had a job to do in the house. My son's was to do the dishes, like to empty the clean dishes. I didn't, I wasn't supposed to ask him every time to do it. So you know what I did whenever he didn't unload the dishwasher? I unloaded the dishwasher. I didn't say a thing. I just did it. And then occasionally I'd remind him, you know, your job in the house is to do the dishes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Just checking. Great. And then I check. And if he didn't do it, I would do it. And it got to where he'd see me doing it and be like, oh, I got to do this. Dad, move over. I'll finish. Never once did I berate him for doing the dishes or not doing them. Every kid's different. I know that. But folks, think about how you are parenting. Think about what is most important. Number five, focus on pointing them inward toward authenticity. And over time, they will learn how to follow that inward path. And this is going to be an important one, folks. And I think a lot of parents miss this. They think, just like the world, identity is formed by all of the externals of life. It's not. So I always tell my son and daughter how much I respect them for their ability to make wise choices. I tell them, you know, I know it honors that their mother and I, and I let them know how much we are thankful to have wise, honorable, and respectful teens. It shouldn't surprise any parent that reinforcing this kind of self causes it to enlarge. And I remind them constantly that they are not their friends. Their identity is not their hobby. It's not their sports. It's not their social status. I reinforce constantly, as does my wife, that we are each beloved children of God. That is our unchangeable identity, which has and will always exist in God from and to all eternity. When that becomes their identity, it unravels the mold of the world. And I know for some of you, you're already unsubscribed. You've checked out and you're like, I don't want anything to do with God. I don't want anything to do with religion. I don't want anything to do with that stuff. Well, that's fine. But just know you have no other alternative than to let your child adopt the mold of the world. And you might be okay with that. But I'm not promoting religion here. So let me just share with you that, that here is a mind, the most wise mind that ever lived, Solomon and his perspective on parenting has a number of things to say. First, Proverbs 13, a wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. In 15, he says, a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish man despises his mother. Number 17, Proverbs 17, it says, a foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her who bore him. Yeah, you can relate, right? You can understand this. Is he wrong? Proverbs 23, the father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. You see, Solomon got this. And he also got this nuance of wisdom in Ecclesiastes 7 which is don't wind it too tight, but don't take your hands off the wheel. Listen to this. Do not be overly righteous and do not make yourself too wise. Why would you destroy yourself? Do not be overly wicked, neither be a fool. Why should you die before your time? It's good that you should take hold of this and from that withhold not your hand. For the one who fears God shall come out from both 
extremes. Do you see that? Wisdom is this balance between the polarities. So anytime you're in a fight with your kids, you're pulled into a polarity. You've lost the grounding of wisdom. And folks, I am absolutely convinced after thousands of hours of counseling, coaching, and just many years of living this, that every bit of strife that we have ever encountered with any other person is because one or both parties is projecting a false self. It's the adult who never found their true self and is now projecting it to you. And then two false selves meet, you always have a war. So any parenting strategy out there that seeks to use power or authority or leverage or threat or control to override or to win the battle with the false self will be an exhausting exercise in futility and perhaps create an unrepairable rift in your relationship. It's horribly unwise. Folks, the false self, if you seek to parent to it, is subverted. It's not overpowered. It's un, you, you take out the ground beneath it. It's replaced through wisdom and humility. It's counterintuitive. And I've found nothing which grows your ability to use wisdom more than understanding the worldview provided by Scripture. So take that as you will. If you ignore that, uh, you'll have to find wisdom in the other places in life that you can obtain it. If you've come this far with me, folks, I hope you'll consider what I'm about to offer next, okay? It may not sit so well. So if you've endured a few of the, uh, you know, blows, I'm going to offer a couple more. And I'm doing it with the hope of sobriety. I'm doing it with the hope that you can make a mid-course correction that will really transform your family. Folks, our true identity is spiritually discerned not externally derived by institutional power. And when I said that most of adulthoods, adults who are in the psychology chair, they're actually trying to get at what is spiritually discerned, the unmaterial world, so to speak. All of the other things that are absolutely real that, you, that are not empirical, right? This is the work of psychology. This is, comes from that Greek word suke, which is what we mean for soul. So... It is spirit to focus on the soul as spiritual work, okay? And that's who we are. We are, as Rob Bell said, we are a spiritual life. We don't have a spiritual life. And that's the unchanging ontology of who we are. We are the beloved of God. This is an identity that's beyond that of the pseudonym, right? Uh, it, any identity that we have that's outside of beloved of God is usually given to us by some principality or powerful institution which we want to please. We adopt the identity in exchange for acceptance, just like our teens do. And this is a shocking discovery for religious and non-religious people alike. But I invite you to think through this framework and pay close attention to what bubbles up. When I say these things, you are having an emotional reaction. You have a sense of certainty, a bead, a line of sight, a, a sense where your pain, your fear, your justifications, your experience are pushing back or they're accepting, they're seeing it. You identify with this, right? You need to know the false self is a fighter. 
and it's our job as parents to be able to know the fake ID, the, the false self so so well because we've spent a life deconstructing it and getting beyond its surface level manipulations and distortions of reality. And so if you're not ready for this yet, then you'll probably prefer to just let your teens try on whoever they will or accept the fake ID that's imposed on them by our institutions. Your teen will develop a sense of self, I promise, but it will not be who they truly are hidden in God. What you may call great is, in this perspective, horribly tragic. Parents who miss this aspect of identity essentially constrain their sons and daughters to a life of despair and the refusal to be themselves. Uh, Kierkegaard frames this so well in his book, A Sickness Unto Death. He says, Thus, when an ambitious man whose slogan is either Caesar or nothing does not become Caesar, he is in despair over it. But this signifies something else, namely that precisely because he did not become Caesar, he now cannot bear to be himself. You see, a parent has no bigger job than to help our teens know who they truly are in God, instead of letting the world mold them into a pseudo-self. This ontological center is not found in our history. It's not in your bloodline. It's not your last name. It's not your income. It's not in your possessions or your zip code. It's not in your job title or career. It's not even in your family. So don't over-identify with family either. We have to get beyond these institutional powers, these principalities and powers which trap us and keep us stuck in our pseudonym. We must point our kids to that which is beyond everything. And once they themselves see who they are transparently grounded in God, despair is removed and they are liberated into the world, into authenticity and into a fulfilling life. Everything unfolds the way it's designed to. You miss this, and it's an uphill, upstream struggle the whole way. And I can't say this any clearer. To paraphrase John Calvin, the discovery and formation of the true, authentic self is coextensive with the discovery of God. This ontological center is derived spiritually and it is the single greatest role a parent has in raising their child. Every deviation from this as the epicenter of loving our kids will meet a commensurate deviation into a world of despair for their teen. I assure you, the more off the center of spiritual uh, ontology, the more off-center their life is, the commensurate amount of pain and suffering. It's the way God has designed the world. A parent who rejects this truth, which many of you are probably looking at me saying, this guy's an idiot. He makes no sense. I can't understand a thing. When, you're, when you reject this, it's because your soul has either forgotten who you are or you are in a pattern of refusing to be a self. And I know that hurts. I know that's sober. I'm trying to shock you awake. Lazarus, come forth, please. Hear the message. Awaken from your slumber. Pay attention. Your life is on the line, as is your teens. And so perhaps you've never heard this kind of stuff before. 
I wouldn't be surprised. It's not really out there. The majority of our world is molded into a default mode, like the matrix. You're stuck in a bubble and then given a program to run. It's severe because the consequences cannot be higher. If it sounds incredible or unbelievable, it's because our dark fictional world is largely incapable and unwilling to see in the night. The reorientation of a parent towards this true north will have an immediate and lasting ripple effect with your teens. I assure you, you have to wake up first. Then you, they, It's like in the plane, you got to put on your mask before you assist those around you. This is the first of many mid-course corrections which will usher in incremental healing and transformation, if that's what you want. But first check, do a gut check. Just evaluate how you're feeling about this. When I talk about finding yourself in God, what comes to the surface? I'm not talking about a religion. Going and doing perfunctory ritual is not the answer. Getting your kid in a confirmation class or showing up at some building to sing prom songs to Jesus on a weekend is not going to do it. I'm talking about finding out who you truly are in God, who your maker is and what he or she says about you. Why are you beautifully and fearfully made? If you get there, you can lead your kids there. If you can't get there, you have no chance. They have to get there by somebody else leading them there. And this is the first of many mid-course corrections, which I said are going to incrementally bring the transformation you want. There is no go to psychology class or parenting school and learn a technique and throw it on your teen, and then all of a sudden everything's better. If you miss this, it better will escape you. If this true self is missed, if it's ignored, if you just go through life passively presupposing it'll just come about one day, it's a phase, your teen will have nowhere to go but to conform to the falsehood of this world. And folks, if we look around, what do we mostly see in the world? What are your biggest complaints about people today, about the trends, about what we see in politics and business and everywhere else? If you feel like the world is in decline and making endless amounts of mistake, uh, folks, this is why. We have a world of pseudonyms. We have a world of people who have no idea who they are, who are molded and conformed to the system of this world. Uh, what I'm offering you is the path out. So if I can help you or serve you in this process, please don't feel free to, uh, to ask. Write me. Reach out to me. I'll be happy to discuss whatever I can with you. And as you go through this, parents, please be encouraged. You have what it takes to make a change. God bless you.